Welcome to the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. I'm David Pratt, along with the president of Everything Financial, Peter Shushecki. And on season two, episode 13, we're going to go over the 10 key questions on property insurance, or as we like to call it, property insurance 101. <laughs> now to do that, we are joined with the founder and CEO of Alteria Insurance, Joshua Krennis. Welcome to the show, brother. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dave and, and Peter for having me. This is exciting. I love it. <laughs> now, you knew I had to bring in an expert on this, Dave, because this is way above my pay grade. <laughs> That's right. When we're doing financial plans and people say, what about property and casualty and all the things I said, okay. talk to Josh. <laughs> okay. Don't talk to me. I'm referring you to Josh because he's an expert and he does, he does mine and pretty much all our staff and a lot of our clients. So I appreciate you, Josh, coming on here and uh, making this easy for us people who don't get this stuff. Making it trust easy me, for trust us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I'll be listening too, a lot, <laughs> and taking notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. Oh, I better not screw okay. it up. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's get into this thing here. Okay. We're going to start with this simple question. What's the difference between replacement value and depreciated value? Yeah. So in insurance, we usually, uh, we refer to them as two different things. And the reason I'm going to bring this okay. up now is because you're going to see them on insurance policies. So you're going to see like RC versus ACV. And what that means is yeah. replacement cost versus actual cash value. So let's talk about replacement cost. Yeah. Replacement cost is a superior coverage. It replaces the item that is now gone. Um, and the example I always use for replacement cost is something uh, materialistic. So let's say you bought a new camera, Sony camera in a few years back, you bought it in 2019. Um, and in 2022, it gets stolen and it's covered. Um, they're going to buy you that same model in 2022. So you're getting a brand new camera. It's the same camera, but you're getting a new one. Um, that as opposed to actual cash value, uh, that would be if in that uh, camera example, uh, if it got taken away, it takes depreciation into an account. So they'll either pay you out for that camera for a three-year-old one that they can find online and what that average value is, or they'll send you a, a three-year-old Sony camera if they can, uh, if they can get their hands on one. Uh, ouch. Ouch. I got a question. What's a camera? <laughs> <laughs> Since we're all on our phones I know, now. Right? Yeah. I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll re-ask that. I'll say, what about yeah. an iPhone? <laughs> yeah. Can we do an iPhone on this thing? <laughs> yeah, what about an iPhone? Yeah, you're going to want to replace that one brand new for sure. Uh, like I said, you know, off the kick here, uh, it's an education for me as well as I'm learning a lot of a new language here. And here's an, another part of it, okay? What is comprehensive coverage? If I look a little confused, help me. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, comprehensive coverage is like a form of coverage that you use in insurance. So if we just stick to homeowners insurance um, and commercial property or whatever, you're, you're going to have two different forms. You're going to have comprehensive or broad. Those are the two forms. Yeah. Comprehensive is the superior coverage. It covers, um, it's what we call all perils. So basically any peril that happens, it's going to be covered within reason. Broad form is like named perils. So it's only what's listed on that policy. There's, if we're getting technical, there's 13 of them. But essentially, it covers all the big ones. It covers like fire, water damage, sure. smoke, theft, etc. But what comprehensive, what it's really good for is not only does it cover all perils, but there's really important things in there that it covers for not that much more expense, like um, mysterious disappearance, for example. So that's really big on jewelry. So I don't know if you've had friends or whatever, maybe engagement rings or, or wedding rings go missing and you don't have to have a theft reason or anything. 
You just have to have proof that you owned it. And under comprehensive coverage, it's covered. So things like that, it's, you know, it's in the wordings, but it's, it's definitely worth it to go that way. Okay, Josh. So comprehensive coverage, after hearing your explanation there, would that always go hand in hand with replacement value or could you get comprehensive but still have the depreciated value tied into the policy? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you you definitely can mix and match. Generally speaking, you don't uh, have a choice. If the insurance companies are going to put them together with re- like regarding whatever you're trying to insure. But like if you have a home, for example, that it can be broad form and replacement cost. So you can have oh. a home that's going to be a million dollars to insure the structure. Um, that's broad. So it, it doesn't cover everything necessarily. So you can mix and match for sure. Okay. Now, I, I want to get onto this, which, you know, is, is a little scary here for a second here, but should you get earthquake coverage? Really? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, that I think it depends on not only anybody in the industry, but everybody buying it. I think everybody has a different answer. Okay. But in, in BC, I would, like, I bought it for my home. Um I don't know if it's right or not. Uh, for I, I think it depends on on what the value of your home is in premium dollars and what that costs to add on. So, are you going to stay in that house for like twenty years? Um, and if you stay, if if you did lose that home, um, and you talk to your uh, financial expert Peter there, and you realize you can't sustain that loss okay. given your savings okay. or your financial plan, okay. then I would uh, urge you to get earthquake coverage. If you're an extremely wealthy individual um, and you know, if, if the worst did happen and you'd move to another property or you could simply live somewhere else while you rebuilt, then I would probably say no, because earthquake premiums are starting to get uh, quite up there, like very up there. Uh, they're matching the base premium. So let's say you have a, even a broad form policy for your property and let's say you're paying a couple thousand bucks for the year for your house, you're going to pay another two sometimes even 3000 for the earthquake. So it's considerable. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Josh, With because I've seen it and I had it on a house before. Isn't the deductible on earthquake insurance about 10% of the cost of rebuilding the house? So if it costs you, well, you used a million dollar example a minute ago. If it costs you a million dollars to rebuild the house, isn't the deductible like $100,000? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, short answer is yes. There's deductibles are in percentages with earthquake. So you're going to be at five, 10, 15. Honestly, I've seen 25% deductibles. Um, so if you like most Canadians own a structure that needs to be rebuilt worth, you know, honestly, 400 to 500,000 and you have a 25% deductible, a lot of people can't even afford that deductible. So in that sense, I'd say, just don't even put the earthquake on. It's pointless. Um, but obviously that deductible affects what you're going to pay at the end of the day. So, so if you can get lower. Yeah. If, there, if, if your house gets destroyed and collapses because of an earthquake and you don't have earthquake insurance. Yeah. You're it's, screwed. You're hooped. Screwed. Yeah. You're so here's screwed. my worry. Here's I mean, the worry though. You, yeah, what if yeah, the earthquake yeah. causes a gas leak and the house, and the house goes, up in flames? goes up in flames? Was your house so destroyed by fire or was it destroyed by the earthquake? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So fire following earthquake is covered in insurance policies, both in broad and comprehensive. Um, But the earthquake damage is not. So if you can imagine, let's say I know, like, let's say your roof collapses, 
and uh, and I'm just making this up, and uh, because of the earthquake, but the whole structure goes on fire. They'll say like, "Okay, hey, we won't replace your roof, but we'll replace you know everything that was burned." So what you're really saying, Josh, if there's an earthquake, get everything out of the house as quick as you can afterwards before they come to check the insurance company comes to do a assessment or whatever they exactly do an investigation oh yeah and torch it at the same time <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'll be too busy to investigate the fire so just just yeah, light right. it on fire yeah, right. as soon as you get going well we were uh, we were cooking yeah, we I were mean, doing a barbecue the earthquake hit and the grill went everywhere yeah. and the gas line snapped and we ran for our lives but yeah. Thank you, Mr. and yeah. Mrs. Insurance Company, for replacing our house. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know what, uh, how on earth they could possibly investigate it. And I, I have clients, obviously, that, that don't believe that insurance companies would be able to sustain such a loss. I am not on that track. Uh, the reason being because these Canadian insurance companies are not, they're just so heavily regulated. And they're also so um, well spread out. Like I mean, the intact of Viva Wamanisa, they're just across Canada. So if there's a if there's an earthquake in BC or even hmm. southern BC, to them it's not it's it's a lot to you and me, but not to them. Hmm. You know, well, I'm going to ask a question here that a year ago I just would have rolled my eyes and said, okay, let's just get through this and let's move along to something that really matters. But a year later, and and the world that we've known has changed to say the least a lot. How about flood insurance? Let's say I own the seawall. Would that come in handy? Whatever the case is. How important yeah. is flood insurance now? I mean, or a farm in the, the valley. Top of my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the valley. For yes, sure. exactly. Well, yes, let's, exactly. Let's talk about what that means. Because, I mean, a lot of people, uh, I think they get confused around what water means inside of an insurance policy. So when you're, when you're talking about property coverage, water, is, is water damage is water that happens from inside the house that affects the house. So your sink your bathtub, your toilet, whatever, and floods, everything. That's water coverage. That's included in both broad and comprehensive. So water damage is always covered. Um, when you talk about flood, we're talking about kind of two different things. We're talking about sewer backup coverage and overland water. Those are the two things you need to add to your insurance policy, especially in BC. So when you talk about overland water, it's exactly how it sounds. It's water from outside coming into the house. So uh, the only caveat there is, um, it has to be fresh water. So like, it, it can't be like a tsunami or a tidal wave from, from the ocean. That's considered an act of God. If it's just a flood, like raining and floods and comes from outside in, you're good. Um, sewer backup is when there's, uh, like a city line or a sewer backup line and it comes into the house from outside. So those are the two things you're going to want to so add. So you have to sure. buy those separately. Buy those separately. Yes, so, you do. And so. It's really, wow. the sewer backup one was, in my opinion, uh, they just changed that not too long ago. And that was a really tricky, they even have separated now city line coverage versus sewer backup coverage. Wow. Uh, and we're still trying to get that right because <laughs> we're just, we're trying to understand, you know, okay, so non-city line sewer backup uh, versus city line. It's it's starting to get super confusing What's, based on some insurance. It's coverages. funny when I call you in a couple of months when my house is finally finished. And yeah. it, it's because when it was being built up up Whistler Way and all that rain hit and, and Pemberton had the some evacuations yeah. then and everything else. But I'm on a mountainside 
And the first thing I did was phone my builder and said, so what's the situation of the house? <laughs> and he said, well, there's a easement beside and a big pipe. And he sent me a video. There was barely a trickle of water out of it. And with all that rain, just because it's, yeah. it's all rock and it drains really well and, and everything else. So the overland, even with that record once in a hundred year type rainfall, was horrible. So what you're saying though is all those poor farmers, if they had the the rider for the overland water, they were good. If they didn't, they're in trouble. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I think there's gonna be there's a lot of uh you know upset people out there obviously from and probably at their brokers too, you know, because um that's an endorsement that's just like so crucial. And that's why I was saying the valley, because the valley is what well, used to be a lake. Uh, typically, our most claims, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so, the, the whole so. Sumas Prairie flatlands there. I don't know what it is. A hundred years ago, or one hundred twenty, whatever that exact time is, was a lake. So if you if you have a farmland and a house that used to be in the middle of a lake, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it is fresh water, exactly. you yeah. may want to buy extra <laughs> yeah. insurance. I'm just thinking, yeah. might be a good idea. Yeah. Just saying, <laughs> no. It, Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. But, wow. You know, the thing is, is that to understand the difference, and I want to get some clarity on this, okay, between the flood coming from inside or outside your property. I mean, to me, we're splitting hairs that the water came from my lawn. No, it came from my next door neighbor. I mean, this to me is, is it's splitting hairs. But I mean, I understand it. Once you start talking money, that's that's what it gets down to, exactly what it says in the contract. And how careful do you have to be about knowing the difference between the two? Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to be super careful. Um, and really, it does, at the end of the day, all this stuff does get really tricky. They do, like if you're doing like, uh, if you have a basement that's got carpet in it and like it's it's like basically an unfinished man cave and it's like okay. $5,000 worth of damage, they're just going to write you that check, right? But if, if, you're, if you're claiming a flood that's, you know, in the six figures, then yeah, they're, they're going to make sure that that that's covered properly. And, and your agent kind of needs to help you with that, to be honest. And aren't I correct, Josh, that even going back to the beginning here, our first topic, the replacement value, isn't the cost quite like it's not, it's not that bad. Like the difference in cost from a replacement value to kind of this depreciated value and comprehensive from, from what I know from dealing with you and your company, it's not that big of a deal. So the, isn't the onus, really on the broker who's giving you the, the thing. Because when, when people ask me when I'm doing their financial plan with their Omni formula, and I, and I advise them, I don't sell this and I refer them to you guys and whatnot. And I, and basically what you've taught me is, is, and what we do is teach our clients to ask the right question. But as I say to them, unfortunately, and a lot of good brokers out there, but like anything, there's also a lot that aren't good. And a lot of times they're selling on the path of release resistance, which is the cheapest policy not realizing for 5% more, 10% more, maybe, I don't know, you'd have to be, you know, I guess it varies. Obviously you can't commit to a number, but I know it's not significant to go, geez, you can cover everything. Like the, the, the Bentley, no, not, not commenting on Dave's dog or my no, dog, because okay. we both have a dog named Bentley. Um, but the, but the Bentley coverage and the 74 Pinto coverage isn't that much different in this case. No, it's not. And it's not, um, it's not even, uh, as far as, uh, coverage 
offered, it's not even that drastic between those two vehicles. It's, you know, it's more like a, a BMW to, to a Porsche or something like that. It's, it's, it's closer. So, okay. and the cost is, is there, you know, honestly, sometimes I've, this is going to sound extreme, but it's actually true. Sometimes insurance companies offer broad coverage more expensive than comprehensive coverage because they're worried about future claims of that broad coverage because broad is kind of leaving because, you know, people get upset when they didn't realize they could spend an extra hundred dollars a year and have so much more covered. Right. It just it seems silly to me. Well, hopefully from this, I mean, we've got lots more topics, Dave, I'll let you get into yep. but people. The whole point is we do with these podcasts is to educate people to ask the questions they didn't even know they're supposed to ask. And this is key because you said in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you spend so much money on insurance, but if the difference is only a few bucks, get something that's actually going to pay you because you know what? I don't recall anyone whose house burnt or house flooded or they got robbed complaining about their premium then. They just, you know what? Yeah. It's the peace of mind. Like when we do a disability policy for someone, we do the better coverage because we tell people, you don't want to be arguing with an insurance company when you really need the check. Yeah. And, 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 and everyone yeah. blames the insurance yeah. company because it's easy to blame them and we all like to, but buyer has to have a take a little responsibility to ask the questions and make sure they're getting don't just make your buying your insurance coverage just a five minute thing you do on a saturday once a year because it came up like put a little thought into it no i totally agree and one of the things you had said earlier is that um you got to be careful you know with the people that you're actually choosing to to let into this world yeah. because of this of, of your decision making uh because you know when things go bad like this like we had a lot of coverages a lot of people call us obviously with when the floods happened especially and you know even just just to make sure that they answer the phone because uh, it's a you know it's, it's your hugest biggest investments your livelihood obviously so you gotta you gotta be careful and um yeah, I would I would stress that you look into that before you decide who you're buying from as well. Well, to expand on that sort of investment aspect of it all, um, and this again was something completely off my radar till we you know we started going through all of this, and I said, okay, hold on here, you've got tenants and and rental coverage. I mean, you know how important is this? I mean, you talk about something that was not on my mind at all, but you tell me how important is it, whether it's tenants or rental coverage. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what situation you're in. I, I'm going to say yes because I'm biased because, you know, I think insurance is great, if, if especially in certain instances. But um, if we talk about tenants or rental coverage, that's really important for different segments of the market. So if we talk about someone like Peter, let's say he's building a house somewhere uh, and he doesn't have a secondary residence he has to go to. He's got to move and he's got to put everything in, in storage and he's got to wait for that house to be built and then he's got to move over. While he's doing that, his home is now gone and his home is, is not necessarily about all the contents. Even though it is, it's in storage and you want to make sure all those contents are covered. Let's say he's got some great art and he's got really nice furniture and stuff. Obviously, you want to have that covered while it's in storage. But what's really important is the liability. You want to make sure that if someone comes after you for property damage or bodily injury, which is a global coverage, by the way, so you can be traveling and cause damage or hurt somebody and they can sue you even if you're like on vacation or whatever. If you don't have that tenant's coverage in place and you're building that house, you have no liability to protect you. And you could have spent 
$250 for the year to have this, <laughs> this coverage in place wow. uh, for things that cost millions of dollars. So when people think tenants and renters, they often think contents. They think they're like synonymous terms. But I think of liability because, you know, there's just such, I mean, everybody sues everybody for whatever reason they want to. They don't have to be right. And, you know, it's something that's just so easy and cheap to tick off. So I think it's very important. Like the burglar breaks into your house, slips on something on the floor, yeah. ends up a quadriplegic and he sues you because you had something in your house that was dangerous and he fell on it. Like you actually hear stories like that, especially in the US too, I got it. Probably in Canada. Yeah. I don't know, Josh, but but I've heard stories like that. One of the, you know, and it's yeah, like, one of the better serious? ones that we had. Yeah, one of the better ones we had to help was uh, we had uh, a lady who was attending uh, a wedding um, and uh, one of the people that was working at the wedding had slammed the door as she was leaving on her finger and she actually had to have one of her fingers uh, like amputated. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and so she sued the venue, the bride and groom, um, the people who were uh, working the door there. I think it was actually the valet guy that did it. Um, and no she named all these people in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, she named all these people. And I guess the takeaway from that is um, the bride and groom were, were, you know, devastated, obviously, but they actually claimed their liability through their home insurance uh, because they're, it's not like they have their E&O handy or anything or their CGL handy for their business because they weren't working. They were just having fun. So they, they claimed their liability through home insurance. It's kind of a cool example. I heard that story. I think the lady was ticked off because she no longer had that finger and she couldn't flip anyone the oh, bird anymore. Oh, is that it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, one of the angry ladies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> we're going down that road, are we, Peter? Is that yeah, why we're not? going with this? Okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, get back over here just for a little bit here. Um Here's here's the the real tough question to to deal with. Okay, that that claim when you finally make it. Okay, uh, does that just kill your rates going forward? Because insurance companies are real funny about getting their money back. Uh, you tell me. Um. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. That's plain and simple. But the thing is, is it, it depends on the size of claim that you're making. So if you're claiming a total loss on your house, which we've done a few times through our agency, um, you're, and I don't know why the insurance companies do this, to be honest. I should, I should talk to somebody about why, what the mentality is behind this. But if you ever make a claim that size of an insurance company, like we had one this year that claimed about 395000 and they just paid it out, they didn't rebuild. That insurance company forces you to go to another insurance company. Like they will not insure you ever again. Really? And, really? and my theory is like, why would you not recollect again? Like, I mean, this guy had house for 20 years in place, paying his premium every year. And he claims, and now you're going to kick him out? Wouldn't you just want to keep collecting rent from this guy? Not, not only that, Josh, yeah. if, you keep, if you keep the guy, you keep collecting your premiums and you look after him. How many people is he going to say to them, oh, XYZ insurance company looked after our claim. They did a great job, blah, blah, blah. I would sure insure with them in a second. In a second. Oh, instead absolutely. Of, instead no, of, they, they, no, they I collected my 395000 <laughs> They tossed me to the curb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's a couple caveats here. So if, you, if you're dealing with one of the bigger insurance companies, like Aviva or Intact or something like that, there's 
Aviva has something called the worry-free bundle and Intact has, has like this uh, claims advantage. So if you have a, a, your first claim, regardless of its size, um, and you have that rider on there, which is usually like 20 bucks for the year, it's nothing. Again, it's something your broker has to bring up to you. Then that won't affect your next uh, rate at all. It, it's irrelevant. Um, so if that's added on, you're fine. But if you, you know, are in the first five years of your policy period and you make a jewelry claim for like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars, um, yeah, that's really going to affect your, your insurance. But at the end of the day, it's what it's for, right? I mean, some people look at insurance like, Hey, if, if anything happens to, to any part of my house at all, like I'm going to get the lowest deductible possible. And if something happens, that's a dollar over that deductible, I'm going to use it. And then there's other people that are like, no, it has to be catastrophic for me to use it. So put the deductible as high as possible. And if I have a total loss, I'll claim. Hmm. So it depends on your mentality, I suppose. Here's another question that kind of goes down that road in terms of big surprises. Uh, Somebody breaks into your house and cleans it out. I mean, theft coverage. I mean, how does that work? How How do you get covered that way? Yeah, so theft is covered in both instances in, in comprehensive and broad. And basically, it has to be obviously, you know, someone outside of your immediate family. It can be friends, uh, but it's basically someone breaking into your home and or the place of storage, wherever you have that place. Uh, what do you call it? Temporarily. So if someone steals all that stuff, you're fine. They, uh, one thing people don't know is that you don't have to have like receipts and stuff for everything anymore. You just have to have proof that you owned it. And, and a lot of people just take the proof. Like when we sell an insurance policy, a lot of the time if people have high contents limits. We'll just say, honestly, just go through your house and take pictures of every room and make sure you have a picture of what that is in the house. So go to your closet and just take a picture of your whole, whole, uh, whole wardrobe and just have that one picture. Go to your living room and take a picture of the living room. And if you have all these pictures together and someone comes in and cleans out house, you can make a comprehensive list. You can figure out where you bought it. And we've, we've seen this and done this for clients before and it, it worked quite well. Is there a, and I, I think I saw this years ago, Josh, but I'm not sure. Is there like a, a software program or a, a checklist where people can go in and list, you know, something they could, they, I'm just thinking for us with doing the financial plans for people, something we could add in to people just to we just want to point people in the right direction and say here go through list your rooms and try and list what's in each room and um you know i mean i get i get it with bedroom and clothes i i get you for sure take pictures of the closets but i'm gonna need a bigger lens for my wife dave the same thing with brenda for shoes yeah we're gonna need like we're gonna need a big target for that for sure yeah yeah is the word yeah (laughs) But, but but just you know for going through okay in the living room we have this, 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 the great room, this, you know, and you start listing all the things off. Is that, is there something out there that people can get that makes that easier? Because I, I can't imagine with the stress and the vi- how you'd feel so violated if someone robbed your house, just trying to put some of that stuff together, you're going you're gonna to think of things six months later that you never even thought of. Yeah, exactly. Looking for the remote and realize, oh, that's not there. Oh, wait a minute. Um, There was a TV on that wall. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, You're totally right. Uh, There should be a list. We have an internal one. Is there a universal one that's generally completed when you submit a a new property application, commercial or personal? No. Uh, And the reason is because, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this, but insurance companies don't really want you to do that. 
they want you to claim immediately and in panic and miss things uh, because obviously, I mean, you're emotional, you know, they, emotional. they want to close that claim out within 24 hours. Okay. Josh and Peter are going to put together the everything financial. I'll Terry. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. We're going to work on this after yeah, the show. Sure. We're going to put together a list for clients and help people out because I think this is something it's a good idea. Yeah. Everyone can it's benefit really from. We'll post it. It might take us a little while to put it together, but I think this is a huge thing for the public to have to make their life easier because just like when we do estate planning and, and, and different things we do for people, why not help them? If they had, God forbid, had a theft or, or our next topic, Dave fire, same idea, right? You sure. lose everything, yeah. making it easier to go through. So you don't have to think we have, we have this thing, Joshua, with our Omni formula called an estate directory. And in our estate directory, it's a list of where do you keep all the documents? Who are all your friends, your neighbors? Like there's, it's four pages long. Um, it's like your, it's like your estate phone book, if you will. And I remember people have used this and, and I, the first time this was ever used back in the nineties, I get a call and from my client's son, the dad had passed away. I gave him his financial plan two weeks previous and he filled out the estate directory. The guy's mom couldn't even remember, not my name. And I was just there and I'd known them quite a while couldn't remember any of her neighbors or her friend's name. So if that happens with a death and, and, and imagine the violation of your house or, or God forbid your house burns down and you're fortunate enough to, you know, escape and, and be fine, but everything's gone. I couldn't even imagine trying to get my head wrapped around trying to put that, that list together. So let's yeah, stick it so to true. the insurance company. Let's work on a really good, comprehensive yeah. list that we can get out there for people because it's only going to help people. Yeah, absolutely. Think, I mean, it's same with inside your car too. A lot of people have a lot of stuff inside their car. They have gym bags that are, uh, worth a bunch. They have like, uh, obviously computers they carry around. With Sunglasses them. been stolen twice from me when someone borrowed my car and left it unlocked. Yeah. And we thought White Rock oh, was man. safe. Rock. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I want to go another step with where Peter was taking this. Okay. I mean, how do you put a value on certain things? Like, for example, I take a look at, at my girlfriend's shoe collection, and Peter made reference to it as well. I mean, do you really have to call Jimmy Choo first before you actually make a claim? Or, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. The, the, the numbers, because <laughs> I don't yeah. see it until, until I, I get my visa card. Oh, what? I, exactly, I bet. Um, you know, well, there's good thing. there's a good thing about that. Okay. Um, okay. is that at least with these things, there is, uh, sort of like a concrete value. Like, you know, what this designer bag is worth right now. Like, you know what she paid sure. for it and you know what it is. So if it's, you know, if it's some no name brand, but you paid a lot for it, that's a little bit tricky, but that's a little bit, uh, hard to come by in, in the female yeah, world. To say the least kind of brands. Yeah, they're a little right? emotional so like about Louis, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like Louis Vuitton and stuff. We all know these brands. Yeah. <clears throat> well, is that that, so is that, that same one I see called Louis Vuitton? Is that the one? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I don't let her go Louis near that Vitton, store. Yeah. I no. say, no, no, no. Don't look at the light. <laughs> yeah. Stay away from the light. Go the other direction. Yeah. No, don't even yeah, slow yeah, down. Exactly. Just keep driving. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, there's uh, those things are, are quite easy to value, to be honest, because we know the average value between what they are and how many do you have and uh, where do you keep them and and we can kind of put something together. So, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that's quite straightforward. It's just it's just actually being aware that you need to cover it, right? 
One of the things that uh, Peter got into a little bit earlier, but I, I certainly want to spend a little bit more time on it, and that is uh, fire coverage. Uh, God forbid that, that you know, your house goes down in a blaze and, and whatever it is, um, it, it it is just completely destructive on so many different levels, emotional as well as financial. But uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple things you want to be careful of with fire insurance. Okay. Uh, and by being careful, I mean, it all happens before the insurance policy is put in place. So uh, insurance companies have something called co-insurance, which means you have to insure the value of that home up to this co-insurance. So generally speaking, it's somewhere between 80 to 90%. A lot of it's 90%. So you have to, you have to be paying the premium worth 90% of the value of that home. So let's say you have it, again, we'll use the million dollar structure thing. You paid a million dollars to build this house. And if you're not insuring that structure for 900,000 or more, then the insurance company, if a major fire happens, will make their own decision wow. when that happens. So that's a very scary oh, thing. You don't want to be in that, obviously. And it, it came up before when we were talking about dealing with the right broker is that a lot of uh, certain agencies and brokers won't mention too many names will try to get more business based on changing the premium by changing the top line, which is the value of the home. So, you know, that we have, we all have this internal software that basically calculates the rough value of your home. And then you usually add about 5% just for safety because it's all technology driven and it could be a little bit behind. So usually it's about 5%. So what they'll do is they'll take this amount and they'll have these other quotes out there that say, Oh, that's what he's paying last year. Let's just, re let's just not do the 900,000 this year. Let's just do like 750 Ouch. and just go to them and say, you you're way overinsured. We ran our stuff and there's no way you could spend a million dollars on that. Yeah. House. Cause houses yeah. go down in price in BC, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's one thing to be aware of. Second thing to be aware of is like, if we just veer away from like, um, like com owning commercial properties or owning home properties, if you own uh, a shared space, like a condo, um, if you have a, a lot of people, you know, especially in the younger demographic, then they're getting into the market, they're buying a little bit older condos and then they're renovating them. So if you've, if you've not only spent a fortune on this condominium, you're also renovating the thing. The insurance company is only going to reimburse you for what you purchase. They're not going to re—they're not going to reimburse you for what you the hundred thousand you put into the unit unless you oh. unless you have proof of that. So if you don't have proof of that, then literally it's not going to happen. And it's not—it's not even we're not talking about invoices or receipts or anything like that. You have to have documentation, like photo documentation, that you did that to that unit, and that's a very important piece uh, for. You know, even if you're buying older homes yeah. and you're renovating them, you want to make sure that that value is up to snuff. That's for sure. So what I'm getting is before your camera gets stolen, take lots of pictures of your house and save the SD card somewhere where it won't get burned or flooded and destroyed. And then you're covered. But I, I have two examples for you, Josh, that I heard about from clients. And, and, and you'll, you'll probably be able to clarify these more than I can. I'll butcher them a bit. But we had the big fire about six, seven years ago on five corners in White Rock where the condo complex built up and there were some businesses below. And one of those businesses I know of, and that's the cafe that's right beside now our office in White Rock, Laura's Cafe, and great lady and great small business owner. But 
you know, I was hearing stories. So from some of those restaurants that were there where she was, you know, burnt down too. And you, you buy contents insurance for what you have in your business. But over the, you know, three, four, five years, you keep adding things. You add more content, you add more computers, you add more, whatever. You just keep adding more things to your business. But she or the broker never changed the contents insurance and the insurance mm -hmm. company told her that was fraud. That was the one thing. So what, what happened is they said, screw this. Instead of a claim, they just rebuilt themselves. The other one, though, was from a client of mine who's a firefighter. And I have lots of clients who are firefighters, so I get really, unfortunately, good fire stories. But there was a house that burnt, and then the people had to rebuild the house. And so the, the example he gave me was kind of interesting. But the people at the end of the day ended up with a bill from the insurance company, and here's why. They had X type of door handles, let's say, in the house. Those door handles could be sourced for $10 or whatever the case may be, but they couldn't get those door handles anymore, so they had to source a door handle for $20. Well, there's a bill for $10 per door handle. And you start to go, you know, that's a door handle. I'm using it as an example because that's the one yeah. he gave me. But then you start to go through your blinds, your tables, your chairs, your hinges on the doors, like all these things that were no longer available for the same price. And at the end of the day, the people got a bill for the difference between what they had built it for and, and now. So obviously or maybe not obviously, but the house then they didn't have replacement value. They must've had on the house, like a depreciated value. Is that how that would work? Or is this something else inside a fire policy? They would have definitely had ACV in that case, uh, because they're obviously sourcing something of like kind. They're not sourcing the same one, right? So it would have been ACV in that case. But the important thing is, especially with that first example you gave is that it's so important to have just a, a very basic reassessment every year just to see where you're at. I mean, people, especially during COVID, I mean, the amount of home improvements that have been made is insane. Yeah. Like home Depot stock is like through the roof. So you want to make sure that you are really focused on just having those conversations. It doesn't take long. Just have those conversations once a year and just look around you a little bit and see what's changed. Okay. Let's, Interesting. let's move on to some jewelry here, which I get scared just even thinking about it, but okay. Um, or whether it's artwork, but but let's start with jewelry here. Um, how does how does that work? How do how do these riders work here? Because this this is a whole different game now. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the structure of a policy for property to talk about yeah. this. So the structure of, of a policy is you have your your total rebuild cost of your home. Remember, it's not it's not what it costs to buy or anything like that. Like I keep using that million dollar example. Some listeners are probably like, How, where the hell can you get a million dollar house? You can't. Oh. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a million dollar house. It's the structure itself. So you've already bought the land for a million, two million bucks. Okay. Now, what does it cost to build that house? That's what insurance covers. Cause you can't cover the land. Okay. There's nothing there. So if we start with that value, everything below that value, most things anyway, are a percentage of what you choose there. So if you use the million dollar example, normally it's like 75 to 90% of that is contents. So most of the time it's about 75 to 80. Wow. So if you have a million dollar top line, you have 800,000 in contents. Now that sounds like a lot, but if you actually break it down with everything that's in your garage and except for the car and 
all your furniture and your clothes. And especially if you have a wife with a bunch of handbags or shoes, um, TVs, artwork, it starts to really, really add up. And, um, it brings me to my point on the jewelry and, and artwork riders, things like this. These, this contents limit has, of course, to be more confusing, a sublimit. And a sublimit of insurance is tiny writing inside your insurance policy that says for all these items, they're capped at this. So um, one of them is bicycles. Bicycles are capped anywhere from 1500 to 2000 per bicycle. And in Vancouver, there's a lot of like $10,000 bikes. That doesn't around. even touch the e-bike, so, so you better get yeah. extra coverage. No, exactly. Yeah, nothing motorized. Um, if you have jewelry, for example, a lot of jewelry is capped anywhere from about 5000 to 10000 So again, not a lot, especially if you're talking about wedding or engagement rings. Um, artwork riders. A lot of artwork is only covered up to about two to 3000 Um So if you're talking about art, like real art, Obviously, that's that's not very good. So all of these um, sublimits of insurance, they need to have, if you have something over that amount, so let's take that bike, for example, if you have a $10,000 bike, then you're going to want to schedule that on your insurance policy, which means you're removing that bike from the situation and you're posting it on the deck page of the insurance policy, saying like, this bike, this model, and this is the additional premium I'm paying for it. So if anything happens to that bike, I'm going to get paid because it's written down here. Um, same with the jewelry. Have your ring on there. Um, artwork. If you have a certain artwork, put it on there. So what you need to be prepared to do in this case is make sure that you have a, um, if we have a ring, you go to a gemologist and you have an actual valuation done on that ring. That needs to be done for anything over about $10,000 with most insurance companies. They'll say, I need to see a gemologist report on that ring. And you send that in, and then again, it's posted on the deck page. The bike example, usually you just need a receipt showing like, hey, I bought this bike for 10 grand, put it on there, whatever, you know? The day you see, uh, Peter, uh, that I've got a, a receipt for $10,000 for a bicycle. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say the day I see you have a receipt for a ring for Brenda, I'd probably fall off my chair. Yeah, do you, sorry, do you see one there? Okay, just, just check it on that. I don't see one either. Okay. <laughs> she better not watch this podcast. Okay. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair let's, enough. Let's move along before I get into more trouble here. Um, Say, so what, what happens here um, to your coverage when you have what they call an act of God? All right. Um, in the BC floods. I mean, Peter, you brought this up earlier on. In, yeah. in this, okay. The summer fires, all of it. These are acts of God. What happens then? Yeah, it's a funny thing with insurance. In insurance, you know, they're. There's definitely, uh, they're quite clear on issues like this. So the fires that happened there, that's in insurance, that's not an act of God because uh, a fire that affects your house, whether it be from your neighboring property or from the forest that's behind you, that fire is included in that policy. It has to be by law. So you're fine with that. The only fire that wouldn't be included is something that was intentionally caused to the home. With flooding, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. If, if, it's, if it's fresh water, you're totally fine. If, if it's salt water, you're not so fine. Yeah. So there are certain areas of the valley and, and of the uh, lower mainland that do not offer um, certain coverages. Like it's really hard to get earthquake in Richmond. 
that should be sinking insurance, I think, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the land liquefies. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really uh, you know hard, believe it or not, in some parts of Langley to get overland water. Um, and and when they really? do, it's yeah, in some parts of Langley, uh, you know, and they a lot of it I think is um, you know with your your basement and stuff. If it leaks through the foundation and comes into the into your basement, um, a lot of that is like uh, what do you call it? It's not an immediate eruption. It's like it's like wear and tear. It's like slowly coming through and easing through into your basement. And people claim on that obviously because carpet was not wet yesterday and now it's wet. So what's happening? Um, but they'll do some investigation and realize like, hey, you didn't have the right drainage around your thing. I had this happen about thirty years out. ago, actually, in a house I had in Coquitlam. Okay. And there was a couple of cracks in the foundation, but the house was older and the old clay drain towels, we all remember, which back up, you know, and they fill with dirt eventually. Well, and you, and you get a lot of rain in Coquitlam. And uh, in one corner of the basement, we noticed it was wet. And sure enough, they said, oh, no, you've got to, you know, you've got to redo your drain tile and blah, blah, blah. And, and the, the foundation is cracked and da, 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 da. And I got... It was just, it was just easier. I hired a guy, knew a labor guy to dig up all the way around the house, all the drain towel and put brand new drain towel and gravel in and seal all that concrete from the outside. So because it, you know, it gets concrete, people don't realize concrete is porous and it will eventually crack. And, and so you need really good drain towel. And, and back then they did not have all that dimple board and whatnot that you see now in building all that black stuff that looks like an egg carton on the outside of the house they didn't have all that back in the 60s on houses they just threw a little tar on the outside and there you go bob's your uncle um but yeah but i've had that happen and it, it's amazing so you're buying an older house and i've had this with clients they said i said how old's that house and i said first thing i tell them is check the drain tile because you're just begging for a flood in an older house mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about having those conversations and figuring out like, is earthquake right for you? Yes or no? Is overland water right for you? Yes or no? You know, it really depends on everybody's situation, right? And we want to make sure that everybody is setting them up themselves up for success when the worst thing happens. And if they can financially sustain that loss, and if it really is that important to them or not in this coverage sense. Here's the last thing I'm going to throw at you. How much yeah. has our attitude about everything that we've just been talking about here changed in the last 12 months? In the last 12 months. Man, because it's, it's Ooh, changed uh, for me, man. It's changed for me. Everything. everything. Yeah. Insanity. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for both sides of the coin, I mean, guys that are offering it, um, like my company and people that are buying it. I think people are are um, a lot more uh, willing to talk about uh, the different coverages that are available and want to know more about it because there's just so much that's been happening. And also, you know, obviously locally in BC that through COVID, the market's been crazy. Um, so everybody's wanting to know what's, what's covered and what's not covered and what, what should they be considering when they're, they're moving and et cetera. And then the floods happen and they want to know, they want answers on, um, you know, is it covered and, and why was I not, you know, offered this coverage and et cetera. 
I think people's attitude towards it has, has changed a lot. It's like anything though, right? I mean, I think there's going to be people that went through something that was really tough and then they turned to the person that they thought had it covered and, and it wasn't covered. So that's really going to burn them and, and forever they will hate the insurance man. Um, and then there's people that experience to the good side of that and, and they'll, you know, be loyal. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Josh, Peter, I, great information on all this stuff. I mean, and this, this, like I said, the timing could not be better. Uh, what we've gone through over the last year, year and a half has just been insanity. And uh, man, I'll tell you, we really appreciate you coming on the show and giving us some insight. Uh, brilliant stuff. Great work. Great work. No, absolutely. No problem at all. Thanks, Josh. I'll be in touch so we can put a list, a, a checklist together to make people's lives easier and we'll post it and just educate people to, you know, take some responsibility, look after themselves, but if nothing else, point them in the right direction to make sure they get the right coverage for them. And, and just knowing the difference. I mean, you know, knowing what, you know, oh, this is only going to cost you an extra $100 a year or whatever the case may be. Um, especially in BC where, you know, you got the average home is a couple million dollars nowadays. Yeah. Uh, well, not BC, but lower mainland for sure. Um, making sure people do their homework. So I much appreciated you taking the time today. No, thanks for having me, you guys. It's a lot thanks of so much. Uh, that is episode 13, and we'll be back soon with episode 14. Uh, that's that's a threat. It's not a promise. It's a threat. <laughs> thanks, as always, for following and sharing us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. If you have a question for Peter, just go to your money at everythingfinancial.com. Gentlemen, again, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Adios. Dave. Thanks, guys.